After its own extended spring and summer holiday, the Eurovision Sport Radio podcast is back. And in that time, we still haven't managed to think of a catchier name. I'm sorry. But hello, I'm David Knight from VRT in Belgium and chair of the Eurovision Sport Radio Group, hence the title of the podcast. If your heart even beats a little bit for sport, you can't have missed the latest Nike advert doing the rounds. The mind-blowing split-screen edit, the rousing narration by Megan Rapinoe, the demonstration of diversity, resolve, passion, all the things that make me so excited that sport is coming back. As the advert says, you can't stop sport. And it seems that football has been doing a great job of demonstrating just that. Most of us have seen our seasons conclude, the final eight of the UEFA Champions League and Europa Leagues are about to start or are underway, depending on when you're listening, and of course we're all getting ready for next season. I've brought together for this podcast um, what you call a collective of sports broadcasters, a feast of sports broadcasters to look at the return of sports from a football perspective. Uh, Marco Stepper from uh, WDR in Germany is a bit of a regular on this podcast, mostly because he was the former chair of this radio sport group, but also because he's usually the first to reply to any of our emails. He's a sports journalist by trade, but spends most of his days as a sports coordinator for ARD. Maybe that's a thankless task, Marcus, I'm not sure. Uh, but welcome anyway to the podcast. Great to have you. Good to see you all. Hi, David. Jackie Hurley is a sports broadcaster from RTE in Ireland. She presents Sunday Sport on RTE Radio 1, and she's one of the hosts of The W, a podcast dedicated to sports women. Jackie's co-host, Elaine Buckley, you may remember, was on this podcast 12 months ago. Then we were talking about the Women's World Cup. Welcome, Jackie. Thanks for having me. And Richard Henriksen from Swedish Radio is a former professional footballer who is now, as his boss described him to us, Swedish Radio's football expert. Welcome, Richard. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Let's start this episode of the podcast with some good news. Two pieces of good news, actually. First up, RTE's podcast, The W, is coming back. Jackie, can you tell us where did it go and how does it feel to be making a comeback? Well, I suppose where it went is like all of us. It, uh, in the middle of the lockdown, we just kind of found that we were under-resourced. I'm sure this is something that all of you guys have, have witnessed over the course of the last few months as well. And we just found it incredibly difficult to keep going what had been a voluntary project for the last year to do that on top of everything else. We had a lot of people in our department who were redeployed to news and other places. Um, so we just really, really struggled to get some content out there. The good news is that now that we're starting to come out of this uh, wilderness, we're going to start getting some some more podcasts out there. And there's, you know, look, there's been a lot of good news stories that have been happening. So we want to try and capture some of those over the next couple of months as well. So it is nice to have something to look forward to after all of this. The return of the W is one piece of good news. The second piece is in this episode is ARD's success in securing Bundesliga rights through to 2025, uh, winning all seven of the rights auctions that they entered. Marcus, that's great news for you as a radio broadcaster. Uh, but I think the inclusion of digital rights in this portfolio is really exciting for you as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. But ARD and uh, the German radio network is the traditional partner of the Bundesliga for about 50 years. Any Sunday, 7.4 million people are listening to our conference calls from the Bundesliga. Um, and uh, this is a radio classic in Germany. But we're talking about FM radio with some simulcast on, 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 on web streams. But what we didn't have so far was uh, specific digital rights 
full match commentary rights because on FM we only did let's say 60 minutes in total as some let's say kind of highlight and, and final conference uh, coverage. Now we managed to grab digital rights for full commentary for all 617 matches per season from the Bundesliga. And this is a success, clearly. Yes, and especially because Amazon, as a new player, was a rights holder in the previous cycle. How did you manage to, to beat them? I have no idea. Uh, yes, I have an idea, but I have no idea what Amazon did. Um, what we did is that we, we get together with our TV colleagues because as we are doing a very traditional, classic uh, uh, coverage of the Bundesliga on the radio, Our colleagues from ARD-TV have the Sportschau, which is the classic and traditional sports football show on German television. And we formed, uh, let's say, a, a task force, um, which, which met together and said, okay, what is our approach to get the rights for TV, for radio, but also for digital? Our approach was to say, this is not classic radio anymore. This is a digital right, and we have to look at it and to watch at it in a 360 degrees perspective that it, it fits perfectly in our digital bouquet. And I think this was kind of a strategic approach which was in the end successful. Well, I have to say, and I'll be very honest here, that there was a point in March where I couldn't see uh, football making a return anytime soon because of the crisis, but... Here we are, we're gearing up for a busy summer and winter of action. Most of the seasons across Europe have concluded with fans being not always so socially distanced in their celebrations outside and sometimes even inside stadiums. And look, now we're all set for the UEFA Champions League and, and Europa League finals. Uh, Richard, let me turn to you. Can you talk us through how Swedish radio has handled football coverage throughout this crisis? Because if I'm not mistaken, the new season is already underway in Sweden. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Sweden um, have a different uh, season than most other countries in Europe. That, of course, of climate reasons are seasons, and I call it seasons because I include both the men and women's uh, top division here. Usually starts uh, end of March, beginning of April. But of course, with the pandemonium and the crisis, there was no uh, no way they could do that. So the season opener had to be postponed, and the two um, top divisions started in the middle of June. Uh, so we had for a very long time, for for quite a few months, nothing going on, and just this long way to get the green light for at least. Uh, top football being played. So the season is still, you could say, in in the beginning, I think they have played like maybe 10 or 11 rounds of what is sure to be a, a very a very special season, not only for the clubs, for the players, but certainly for us as radio broadcasters as well, of course. What's it been like, the experience, uh, since starting the new season in these very strange circumstances? Well, there's a lot, there's a lot to that. Of course, I mean... In the first game, uh, I, I've covered one of the top teams uh, here in Stockholm, uh, which usually draws 30,000 spectators to every game, which is a huge amount in, in Sweden. And of course, with the, with the terraces being totally empty, it's just the teams, only a small portion of the media. I mean, it was kind of an, uh, an eerie feeling being inside a huge stadium like that, trying to do your job. Trying, having, of course, to be like soaked up into the action because, of course, the listeners at home they want they want to hear what's going on, 
Uh, they want to hear us get excited when, when there's a goal opportunity. They want to hear us screaming out uh, a, a, goal, a goal being done or, or whatever it is. Uh, so that took some adjustment for me, for every one of us. And I mean, also, you know, the mix of describing what's going on on the field, on the pitch, uh, yet putting in it into a perspective. What are we seeing? What are we not seeing? What are we used to hearing? What are we not hearing? For me, who, who works as a, as a pundit doing expert commentary, uh, it certainly has given me uh, some new stuff I can deliver to the listeners, such as, you know, just get your earphones off listening actually to what the coaches say because in some stadiums you're only like five or six meters uh, behind the bench so there have been instances where where i've done that managed to to hear what the coach is screaming or saying to some of the players and then being able to deliver that to the radio listeners so i take it at swedish radio you deliver pure commentary you do not enhance it with fake stadium sounds we don't no, uh, I don't think we had it under discussion, but I don't think under serious consideration. Uh, no, uh, but it, that has been a challenge as well. Uh, not having any layers of you know fake crowd noise or, or whatever. There is the tendency for every one of us to like, in terms of volume, you know, lowering your voice because you don't want to scream out in an empty, uh, silent stadium. And also, what I was referring to earlier, you know, having the energy throughout the game, even though there's no there's no crowd noise or, or spectators or anything. But no, no serious discussion about faking anything, no. Let's go to Jackie at RTE. Uh, what live sports have has RTE been offering over the last few weeks or months? Well, we've been in a similar situation to Richard. It's just trying to get back into the the norm of it. So we'd have our own national games here, GAA, hurling and football. And they're the first ones really that we got a sense of getting back into. Now here, we're in a restricted uh, capacity situation as well. So even the ones where they are allowing fans in, it's still only 200 people. And that's 200 people, including the match day uh, so your your teams, your medics, everybody. So, I mean, really, you were talking about only 60 people being allowed into the grounds, where if you disperse those tickets to the teams, you're pretty much just talking about them and their other halves coming along. So uh, it's a really, really small capacity. And like that, all of the same issues that Richard has outlined, our commentators and presenters are feeling the same. I mean, we're generally presenting now where we might have done the TV presentation from the ground or the radio presentation. We're now back here and we're just handing over to the commentator who is now responsible as being the sound engineer and the everything else, you know, at the ground. So there is difficulties that are coming with all that as well. Um, our National Football League has just restarted here. It just started at the weekend but we have already in three days of the national of the soccer league coming back we have already had one uh, potential positive case the the player has been self-isolating after um showing some signs of having the virus and i tell you even after one weekend if it is a case that this starts happening we're going to be in trouble of just the project restart they've already shortened the season so there's obviously huge difficulties around trying to make sure that once we get up and running that the sport continues because we rely on it from a broadcasting point of view there's obviously advertising wrapped up in all of that but actually I found during the lockdown, it's as much for people's mental health that we have sport. You know, I, th I think all of us having missed it for so long, none of us want to go back into a situation where it's been taken away again. That's for sure. And Marcus, uh, Germany, the Bundesliga was the first one to, to restart. What has the radio experience been like for you doing all the commentary from these empty stadiums? Yes, we discussed very much how, how will be the sound, how will be our sound. 
uh, in stadiums who are usually fully packed with 40, 60 or 80,000 people. Um, um, uh, imagine Borussia Dortmund with 80,000 people and the yellow wall um, on the uh, southern stands all empty. There was no one single thought about mixing with sounds or working with some artificial sound. Uh, but good for the Bundesliga. They have a very professional host broadcaster catching the atmosphere with 17 microphones uh, around the field of play. So we are able to get this radio international sound. So what we, what we have, we have, let's say, some basic layer, very, very nice sound um, uh, where you can hear the players, the, uh, the, the coaches and the cheer when they, when they scored. So that makes it a little bit easier for us. And we put uh, some days before the, 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 the first matches started, we put all our live commentators together in a, in a single telco and say, okay, what is our approach for, for making coverage in empty stadiums? Um, what is our view and what is our position? Yes, you can say, okay, it's everything, it's so crazy, and we are all sad, there are no spectators. But let's say this, this, this time of crying and, and feeling sad about this must come to an end, because instead of the spectators, our reporters are now on, on, in the stadium and say, okay, guys, you cannot be in the stadium, but we can. And now we grab you by the ear or by the hand and follow us. We take you with us into the stadiums. And this worked very, very well. This was our approach. And at ARD, you have the added challenge of Germany uh, soon hosting the Europa League finals as well. What does that mean for ARD as a radio? The same. Uh, we, are, we, are, we are here on home ground. But um, in, in Germany, we have a very strict uh, special match operations uh, concept between the football association, the league and the German public health authorities. Uh, so there are very strict rules and strict limitations how many people, how many media people, uh, commentators may be present in, in the stadium. And this is a way we have to work. And this is a little bit similar to the Bundesliga. So for the EuroLeague final tournaments, uh, we, we can copy paste it. I'd like to move to women's sport now and maybe Richard bring you in first because you mentioned Swedish radio covers not only the men's but also the women's league. Have you noticed that because of the crisis there has been an impact at all uh, financially maybe or in terms of exposure on the, on the women's sport, the women's league or is it just business as usual? The most special thing about the, the Swedish top division now if you look to the women's side is of course... Uh, the teams and the players. Uh, some of the teams are professional and some of them are, are you would consider amateurs. And they train in the evenings, uh, they play games uh, in the evenings and the weekends. Uh, and now they have a, a much more uh, compact uh, match schedule. They have to travel a lot. Uh, they don't have these this squads so of like 20 to 23 players. Maybe they are just 15 or 16. So of course they have to play like youth team players in some games. Uh, so, so the quality hasn't been great, uh, and while I have no problem expressing that opinion as a commentator, I mean, what what can you can you criticize the teams for this with the challenges that they're having? Can you criticize a player? Uh, who hasn't been able to train properly for three months? Jackie, what is, what is your view? Has there been any impact uh, at this moment on on women's sport? I mean, it's maybe 
Uh, a very small example, but we in Belgium, we, we cover cycling a lot. And when the UCI were redesigning the men's calendar, the women had to wait much, much longer to get their new race calendar. Also, lots of the smaller teams are, are fearing a financial impact. Well, what's your thought? Uh, it, could it be a setback for, for many women's sports? What's happening now with the corona crisis? I think it's going to be a huge setback for women's sport because even if you look at something like the Euros, um, like the women's championships were supposed to be next summer, everybody was talking about Euro 2020. You know, Euro 2020 is cancelled. It's been pushed back to next year. It seemed like their championships was a complete afterthought. Now, everybody understood, the players themselves, and obviously I know a lot of the Irish team, they fully understood that their tournament was going to be postponed, but it was the lack of communication that really bothered them because they felt like they were an afterthought. If you look at the wider examples, the one that you've mentioned in Belgium, very, very similar story to what has happened even in the UK. The Women's uh, Football League was just cancelled. The season was cancelled. There were still games to be played. Whereas if you look at Project Restart for what they did for the Premier League, I mean, I know we're not talking about the same financial burdens, but equally, the amount of effort that was put into restarting the Premier League on a global scale was phenomenal. Whereas the Women's League, it seemed to me, was just cancelled and there was no discussion as to whether it was going to happen in America the NWSL, they had, they did manage to get that up and running, but this is the biggest global tournament that women have. So if they couldn't get that one running, I would have feared that we would have been in big danger. But we did notice that here, even with our own national sports, ladies football and camogie were very much waiting to be told when they could restart their season, as opposed to, and I'm sure in the background, there was lots going on about them coming forward with their own proposals, but it did seem to me that they were the last key on the chain to be filled, whereas there was lots of progress being made on the other side. So I would be slightly concerned that there is ground lost right now, because I think particularly in the year here in Ireland, there was a big campaign, 20 by 20, trying to promote women in sport this year. And I would I would have concerns that maybe the opportunity has slightly been lost. And it's a great shame, isn't it? Because 12 months ago, we had a hugely successful Women's Football World Cup, and many people thought, this is it women's sport has finally made this great strides forward and now it's all up in the air again. But you need to capitalize on the moment. I think that's what any sport, like if you look right now at sport in general, people have had it taken away from them. So now they see the value of it. Now is the time for sport to step in there and push it forward, doing all the things like what Marcus has said, where you're actually retraining people's minds to love this thing. You're going into stadiums and telling them, come on this journey with me. Here's this magic thing that you've missed out of your lives. And I think you really need to capitalize on the moment. And women's sport needs to do that. Last year, the Women's World Cup was the perfect opportunity to do that. There might be an opportunity lost right now, but that doesn't mean it's lost forever. We just need to show people that the pathway of sport is coming back and we all need to be part of this. That's my opinion anyway. Okay, let's look ahead to next year then, because we've got Euro 2020 and Tokyo 2020, the big fixtures of this summer. Both of them moved to 2021. The women's Euros also moved, obviously. But of course, we need to fit those around an already busy schedule. So how, how are you all looking ahead to, to 2021? Uh, Marcus, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, we're currently running a series in German radio. Um, <laughs> the title is, this could be my big day, sending a portrait, a, a biopic of, a, of an athlete from Germany uh, who would, could have been a medalist uh, on this specific day in Tokyo. So, for example, we had a we had a portrait of a German female dressage rider who 
is is one of the favorites to to get gold and we will do the same with uh, the germans rowing uh, man's eight um and uh, we we visit them or did some zoom calls with them say oh, okay guys what's going on one of the athletes say okay <laughs> i used the time to finish building my house yes this summer and to bring back as jackie say some of the magic and to say okay corona is a serious threat but um this is not the only thing in life right now and life is going on even without sports and with sports uh, if we if we uh, come back to it for the next big events next year so euro and the olympics uh from a, let's say an uh, point of management and organization um uh, most of the broadcasters in europe managed to get the arrangements frozen until next year so the host broadcasters and the organizing committees and the broadcasters uh, came to negotiate say okay let's take all this given and let's freeze it and put it on the table next year so um this is very comfortable and let's and makes absolutely sense Yeah, our arrangements to broadcast are basically just set there. We'll literally roll what we were going to do this year into next year. I mean, I suppose the only thing to consider is that maybe it's going to be a more scaled back Olympics and maybe we're going to send a smaller team. Certainly from talking to the athletes, they're all literally just replicating their plans for the next year and the broadcasters are going to try and do the same. I think the biggest challenge for all the broadcasters is now what was going to be a crazy 2020 is now going to be a crazy 2021 and there's very little break. So like we've had to try to match our holidays and you know everybody's trying to get ready because once September rolls around you're pretty much going to go from September right through to the end of next year and just from a a broadcaster's point of view with all of us it's just going to be a really really busy time which is great for sports lovers but I I think it's going to come with a lot of challenges for broadcasters as well between June 2021 until uh the end of 2022 We have, uh, I think, 18 or 19 months where you have all big sports events this planet has to offer. Winter yeah. Games, Summer Games, uh, Euro, FIFA World Cup, uh, in between European Championships, Commonwealth Games, uh, 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 World Athletics Championships, European Championships, everything in between 19 months. So for sports lovers, it's great. For us, it's... The challenge. <laughs> and I guess it's the same for Swedish radio, Richard, uh, maybe with the exception of the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, that's the exception. Uh, even though we're a small nation uh, in, in European terms, uh, a small radio network as well. We, of course, in Sweden are huge in winter sports. So the year goes on for, for 12 months. Uh, but having said that, I mean, when we talk amongst each other here, we, you know, we're looking forward to it. We're hoping for it. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. I think it's important also as journalists to have, you know, the perspective that there is, of course, uh, the question, will, can the Euros even next summer be played? Uh, is, it, is it wise to do that? Uh, what about the Olympics? I mean, Jackie said that maybe it's going to be scaled down. I think it's easy, even as a sports broadcaster, to like being maybe a bit too much caught up in the emotions of, you know, wanting it to be an, the Olympic Games as it was intended to be. I don't think it's our job to be disappointed uh, if there is a scale back Olympic Games or if the Euros uh, next year 
won't be the same tournament as, as everybody wants. I think what Richard is saying is absolutely correct. I mean, journalistically, it's not our job to say whether, you know, we're disappointed or not. We all love the Olympics. We wanted to go ahead, but we'll do what is the safest thing to do. And I think all of the athletes have that approach as well. Like any of the athletes here that we talk to would say they would be devastated if they didn't get to go to the Olympics. But it's not their decision. If somebody tells them it's not safe to go, then they won't go. I think the biggest challenge is that one, it's not an equal field because there are some countries who have not been impacted in the same way. So some people's training has not been impacted in the same way. So when all of those athletes go to the start line, whatever kind of an Olympics we have, you can be sure that it's not equal because they've all had different senses of it. Some of them have been sick. Some of them have not been sick. Some of the, you know, so it's very hard to judge on that. And then I think, by the time we get to next summer, some countries are still going to be right in the middle of this and they're just not going to be able to travel. So, look, I think it will be a huge disappointment for sports fans if it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, if that's the decision that's going to save this uh, world from further crisis, then sport has to come second. That, that would be my opinion. What we have to keep in mind is only six months after Tokyo, we have the Beijing Winter Games. So if you postpone or cancel Tokyo, you are very, very close to do the same with the Winter Games in Beijing. So in the end, this would mean for a whole generation of Olympians and Olympic athletes, there will be no games, life plans destroyed. And for the Olympic movement, the big question is, how will we survive the cancellation of perhaps two Olympic Games? financially, but also with kind of spirit and the, let's say, the, the rule of the, import, the, the Olympic movement. Um, in my opinion, I think the IOC as well as the organizing committees will do whatever they can to deliver games in Tokyo as well as in Beijing, perhaps scaled down, perhaps without spectators. And even us as media have perhaps to step back to scale down our own teams and crews on site, but only to say, okay, this will be two editions of games, one winter, one summer, but we have all to go through this as, by the way, the rest of the planet as well. That's interesting food for thought. Thanks for that, Marcus. We've been away for a while, but I have to say it's great to be back on the podcast. Thank you, a big thank you to my guests for making it a great return. Jackie Hurley from RTE, Richard Henriksson from Swedish Radio, and of course, the regular favorite guest, Marcus Tepper from ARD. Thank you for listening and stay safe.